So, there's a scene that I want you guys to picture. You're stood there, you're in your gown, and your mortarboard, you've got your degree in your hand, and you're surrounded by your friends and family. This is graduation day. But there's one thing in the back of your mind. What next? Do you know what you want to do with the rest of your life? It's a scary thought, but my name's Oscar Luxon, and I'm here to try and help you with that. This is going to be your guide to your career, and welcome to my future. So, uh, who did you say you work for again? Ah, well, no one you see. I'm a freelance investor and operator in the gig economy. Oh, right. So, um, how did you end up doing that? Ah, well, it's quite simple, you see. Basically, I joined a rotational 24-month public sector grad scheme after leaving university and then was offered a graduate role but decided that it wasn't for me and that I actually wanted to do marketing for a local private sector SME. Anyway, the SME didn't work out, so I decided neither private nor public sector working was my bag, and that instead, I wanted to do a freelance operation from home. Oh, and that's not even mentioning the work I did abroad for the Australian government. Oh, I, yeah, I, I see. Um, so, so do you mind just um, telling me what that means? So, did you get any of that conversation? If you did, well done. If you didn't, don't worry at all. We're going to go over what it all means in this podcast. So this week, we're talking about SMEs. We're talking about grad schemes. Um, we're talking about freelancing. Basically, all the things we touched on last week, like, for example, we talked with Emily about her grad scheme, um, we're going to go into this week in a lot more detail. So last week, we talked about mindset and how to find the opportunity you might like. But this week, we're going to go over all the different types of opportunities that you might want to get once you've uh, once you've started looking. So we've got Carla later to talk about going abroad as well. Uh, but now we're going to be talking to Kath and Chris about said opportunities. Here we go. Um, so do you guys fancy starting with graduate schemes? Um, there's some things you guys might like to say about those. Yeah, sure. Just can, can I start by saying I love the title of this this episode? <laughs> Would you work for yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's a question you hear a lot, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, unless you work for the big companies, um, yeah, it's a question you might well be asked mm. in your career because, you know, actually, a lot of students believe that, you know, maybe they're going to work for a very large company, they're going to uh, secure one of these grad schemes, and we'll chat about those in a minute. But actually, in reality, a huge amount of, of people in the UK work for SMEs. So... Um, small to medium size enterprises, that's really where the economy is, is driven in the UK. So that's where a lot of students, I think, are going to end up. Um, but yeah, grad schemes and grad roles, there's a little bit of a sort of difference there, isn't there? There is. So a grad scheme is essentially like an accelerated program to get you into a company, train you up into a role with most of the time being in some sort of management role by the time you finish. Yeah. That's fair to say, Kath. Yeah. So an example of that would be the civil service fast stream, which lasts for between 18 months, two years, and then we'll put you into a HEO position when you finish, mm. um, which is like the equivalent of like 30 or 1,000 or something like that. Yeah, um, they, so, they're seen as sort of, sorry, Chris. Uh, no, I was just going to say generally other things that make them stand out from sort of direct entry roles, 
normally some kind of enticing pay package um, and some other perks with it as well. So like the Aldi or Lidl one, um, I think they used to offer you, they still do um, offer you a card. Oh, yeah, yeah, that is cool. Yeah. yeah. So you, you can get a lot of perks basically from yeah. these kinds of things. Perhaps and sometimes, a, a new job. you know, we talked about it last week, didn't we, about students who maybe not, they've forgotten now, last week, uh, <laughs> students who maybe don't know what they want to do. Mm. They can be quite good for those sometimes. Mm-hmm. And it might be something you might want to look out for mm. because Often they have a rotational element. Mm. So you might spend six months in one department learning everything mm. you can about, the, you know, maybe the marketing department, but then you might move on to something else. And, and then at the end of that scheme or program, you have got a good idea of how that company is run. Mm. They're often, like you say, Chris, looking for potential leaders. So because of that, they're tough, you know. Mm. Um, and a lot of my students that I support are, are keen to find a grad scheme and we get a huge amount of success as well. So if you are keen then, you know, don't be put off by the competition. But they start really early, don't they, Chris? Yeah, so there's definitely like a season for it. So mm. probably autumn, I'd say, is graduate recruitment season. Yeah. And really from mid-September, anywhere up to the end of December, sometimes January, but not a great many, I don't think. So that's when generally they'll be on campus, um, trying to kind of advertise who they are and why you should apply with them. Um, and also that's when their application processes will open as well. Once your applications are in, that's when the rest of the recruitment process will start as well. So generally from the spring, after you've applied, you'll be possibly called to kind of phone interviews, um, assessment centres, maybe another interview. It's quite a rigorous process to go through. No, that's that's really interesting, those are. So, I mean, so that that's definitely one option um, to consider. Um, I suppose the grad schemes, I suppose, are they, they're, they're, um, they're quite... Is, is it specific sectors they're in? Are there only, only certain sectors that do these or is it? There's grad schemes in, I would say, all sectors. Yeah. So, mm. you know, engineering, manufacturing, um, science, pharmaceuticals, mm. um, marketing, media, um, finance. Um, so there is a huge range of grad schemes. Mm. Um, and again, Prospect's website is fantastic and Target Jobs. Both of those graduate um, sites are fantastic for... Um, really putting them in a, in a lovely comprehensive list for you. So I'd, I'd really recommend you have a look at that. Um, but they, they are in lots and lots of areas. And interestingly, you know, there's a lot of people who understand about grad schemes with, for example, the big four, so PwC, Deloitte, uh, EY, and KPMG. They, you know, lots of people think, oh, you've got to come from a maths or science or, you know, analytical, yeah, business background. But in reality, you know, they're really interested in English Mm. students, history students, anybody. So, um, yeah, there are some some misconceptions. There are some myths Mm. with grad schemes. Mm. Um, Interesting. No, that's really cool. And also... um, a good thing to mention is um, your university careers department. I know um, we certainly do it here. Um, usually offers um, practice for these kind of assessment centres and things like that as well. Um, so the, the kind of tests that they offer you um, quite often your university will allow you to practice these tests. Yeah, it's a really um, good point actually, Oscar. Yeah, things like the first stage is often um, the online assessments, and sometimes they can be situational judgment tests. Mm. Sometimes they can be numeracy, literacy tests. Um, psychometric tests we call them and um, yeah we subscribe to graduates first but there are huge amounts of other practice sites Um, so yeah have a really good search for that and do the practices because sometimes if you practice you do the uh, assessment you fail 
Sometimes it'll say, you can't apply again mm. till next time, which might be a year later. Mm. And that can be devastating if it was your favorite one. Mm. So maybe practice with some of the ones mm. you're not so keen on, but definitely go onto practice sites um, so that you get used to some of these things. That's excellent. So that's, that's a very good comprehensive overview of looking at graduate schemes and stuff like that. Obviously, graduate scheme might not be for everyone. Um, and so I think there's a, few, there's a few other things we can talk about. Um, so the, the benefits even, I suppose, of um, just going into a general, like you say, graduate job, a small or a large company, um, I suppose we could talk about a, a few of those. Um, do, do you have any particular um, sort of um, comments on sort of, I mean, not necessarily which is better, but whether which people kind of people suit a small or a large company more that's a good question isn't mm. it yeah. i think it just it depends on personal preference mm. really rather than saying these people go into yeah. that and these people go into that yeah. i'm a big fan of experience in small companies because mm. um you can sometimes well if you're proactive enough you can kind of replicate the experience that you might have a grad scheme so you might not get the massive pay or the perks and stuff but you can definitely with a smaller company have that seat rotation mm. element possibly about even moving departments. Say it's a marketing job that you're interested in. Grad scheme, you could be in a marketing department of like say 100 people, you just focus on maybe writing press releases or digital media strategy, stuff like that. With that smaller company, you're probably working with anywhere between six, maybe like 15 other people. So even though you specialize in one area, just by being in that smaller environment, a lot of stuff overlaps and you just chat with a wider spread of the team a little bit more. Mm. So it can be a really good way of obviously building your experience and also finding out what else is available within mm. that kind of environment that you're interested in. Yeah, that's really interesting. Cause I suppose with a small company, you're going to get to know all levels of the leadership yeah. in that company as well, aren't you? So you're probably going to know everyone. Oh, like a lot of people anyway. Yeah, so, so you, really could, good you, for could, you, you could kind of accelerate your mm. career slightly faster if you needed mm. to as well in a smaller company because there may be possibly more opportunities or even mm. if it's not with that company if you've got a good um, length of experience with that smaller company you could go for perhaps a more senior role mm. somewhere else as well so it's definitely it's, it's just as a valid springboard mm. as a grad scheme would be fantastic yeah and of course i guess we've also got the idea that some people decide that they want to be self-employed or, mm. or freelance yeah. as well you know mm. um or, or you know start up their own business um, this is something that we, you know, do at Cardiff University, and I know that, you know, all universities will have a very similar offer, is, you know, we've got a dedicated enterprise team. So if anybody is there thinking, you know, I've got a little bit of a seed of an entrepreneurial idea, I think that maybe I, I want to be my own boss, or, I, you know, I, I know I've met students before who've said, you know, they've got ideas for board games, or they've already got some sort of sales experience you know that they make clothes or they buy clothes you know they're they're into um reselling or you know up, sort of upgrading clothes well, i don't know what you call that upcycling yeah that, that, yeah. that that'll be it you know sometimes you know you might have a bit of an idea on the side and actually could that be who actually you work for yourself mm. you know you, you that might be something you really want to take further mm. i'd really encourage any student who's thinking of that to, to see the enterprise um team because it might just be that they want to give you some extra skills on how to pitch yourself, um, how to, you know, have a, a more engaging blog or website presence. Um, there's so much that the, the freelance team can help with. Sometimes it's about finding competitions or looking for initiatives. There's a huge amount going on to encourage students. 
who want to maybe take an idea forward for the future. Mm -hmm. And it might be that, you know, you might have a portfolio career. So you might work part time and have a part time salary working for somebody for, you know, nine to five for a couple of days of the week. But the rest of the time, actually, you've got your own business. You've got this sort of freelance um, career on the side. So portfolio careers, you know, the gig economy, these are all things that our students need to think about and consider um, mm -hmm. and who you work for. You know, yeah. it, it's you have to find what's comfortable for mm. you and what you want to do. Some people find it too risky or they're a little bit scared. Other people, you know, are really excited by it. Well, there we go. So there's some of the types of opportunities that you can go for when you leave university. Have a re-listen to last week if you want to get some pointers again on how to find these opportunities. Um, but there we are. There's some of the types you can go for. Um, now, not everyone wants to stay in the same country that they were born to do work. It's a big planet out there and there's all sorts of different experiences and job sectors and markets to be had around the world. So if you're looking to go abroad, then I talked to Carla, who went abroad for a year during her degree to do some work. Um, and she gave me some great tips and experiences um, about what working abroad can be like. So take a listen to her. Just kick off straight away then saying, um, yeah, you went abroad for a year. Um, so where did you go and what did you do? Um, okay, so I went to Barcelona and I was working in a lab. It's called the IGTP lab. Um, so it was actually in Badalona, which is like an hour outside of Barcelona, but I was living in Barcelona and traveling um, traveling into work every day. Um, but yeah, just working as a research assistant, basically. Oh, fantastic. What kind of research were you doing? Um, so I was looking at stroke. Um, so I do neuroscience as my degree. So that was sure. the department I was in. Um, and we were specifically looking at stroke, ischemic stroke. Yeah, really interesting. Wow, that is really interesting. How did you end up like finding out about that and going and doing it then? Um, was, was it just an advertisement? Or? So I'd always been interested in Spain in general doing a placement there. It really didn't appeal to me doing one in England. It was through... Um, a patient of my mum's um, she ended up talking to her and saying that I was looking for a placement and her best friend happened to be the head of a neuroscience lab um, and I put in touch with her and then the next thing I know I was in Barcelona for a year but I know that they're advertising um, their lab on Learning Central now because it was such a good year for me the uni decided that they would advertise her um, her placements. Wow. And so um, what were you like, what kind of like, how did the research actually work then? What were you doing on a day to day basis whilst you're out there? So I got given my own project, basically, you have to write a report at the end of the year. Um, and so I got given my own project. And it started off with me basically watching my supervisor um, and doing stuff alongside her so that I could learn the everyday techniques that I would need to be using like western blots and um, immunocytochemistry and all of that and then we started to form a clearer picture of what my project was going to look like and what the title was um, and what I would need to do to achieve my results and then it was basically just working towards that every day. Um, yeah fair play fantastic are you going to be doing anything to do with like um, so are you looking at strokes now perhaps for in your career once you uh, once you graduate uh, and stuff then? Or? Do you know what I found it's extremely interesting, but it the year abroad did show me that research 
is probably not what I want to go into. Not that mm. I didn't enjoy the year. I absolutely loved it. And the experience I got was incredible. And I probably would have really struggled doing my last year had I not had that experience. Um, mm. But it has just showed me that I'm more of a people person. Working in a lab, you're working with, I don't know, five or six people, depending on how big your lab group is. Um, and you're very much behind the scenes. You, you're not really seeing mm. the impact um, your work is having until years down the line. Um, so I think as much as I loved it, it's definitely showed me that I probably will be going down a different route. No, I think that's really useful though, because that just shows like how... I suppose useful it was that you did that year abroad because otherwise you could have graduated if you hadn't done it and then gone into like a two-year contract in a lab or whatever and then like find out it's not really what you want to do. Yeah what you want to do what direction you want to go in at least if you do go and you realize this is not something what I want to do it's, it's check that off the list for you and then you can move on. Fantastic no so um, I was wondering as well <laughs> you, you mentioned that you specifically didn't want to stay in Britain for um yeah for like <laughs> Your, your year your year out don't they um and so um what do you think of the advantages of actually going abroad for a year for a placement or volunteering well, or whatever compared to staying home the list is endless so obviously you get to experience a completely new culture you get to experience much nicer weather than the uk <laughs> um and you also <clears throat> you also meet so many like-minded people mm. everyone there is picked up their life basically moved to a country they don't know with a load of people they don't know so they're really receptive um to meeting new people and just are really cool I've made some of my like friends for life out there even the working world is a completely different world so Barcelona's much more relaxed slower paced kind of work working world um in comparison to the UK, which is very much strict deadlines all the time. So do you have any, what would be your kind of um, advice or tips to people who are thinking of going abroad? If you're going to a city um, like Barcelona, don't just stay in the city. Um, there's loads of other places which you can, well, I don't know how it is in other places, but in Barcelona, that it's such a well-connected city. You can travel outside for really cheap and really quick and just experience more of the country than the city you're in. Be open to trying new foods. There probably are going to be some weird and wacky ones that you haven't seen, but that's all part of the fun. I guess the whole reason if you're going abroad is to meet new people, but mm. it's in the same boat. Everyone's feeling nervous and scared when you first get there, so make sure you're nice and friendly and yeah. people will return the favour. Oh, no, that's great. So you were you were with other students then, were you, whilst you were out there? Um, so... I went on my own and then ended up meeting loads of people out there um, because I did it with Erasmus. Is that something that's still... Yeah, I think they've changed the name of it now, I think, but they, they, there's similar schemes still going, I think. Yeah. I know what you mean. I yeah. went out with Erasmus um, and you can join like Facebook groups and stuff like that um, and they hold loads of events um, and trips and stuff like that so you can meet people through that. And it's it's honestly it's like being a fresher again. Like you just have to put yourself out there. Um Brilliant. Yeah. be like, Hi, I'm Carla. Like, do you wanna go for a coffee? It's up. <laughs> um and then you meet yeah. introduce you to someone else and then that's how you end up forming your friendships. Um in the lab there was two PhD students, so they were a little bit older than me. Um yeah, there weren't really many students about 
in that sense, but in like social life, yeah, so many other students. Oh, fantastic. Oh, no, that's so cool. Do you speak Spanish then? Uh, I can hold a conversation. I did it for, I did it for A level. Um, mm. And then obviously going out there, I picked up loads. Um, oh, and yeah. all the all the mates I made out there, apart from one, were all doing languages. So I speak to them quite a bit. Um, but yeah, apart from that, I can I can carry myself. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, that's good. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I, I can be like, I can say, I can ask for a coffee and I can ask for a beer and that's basically all I can say. Because like, <laughs> exactly. I was in Spain for two weeks with the university and we were in like a really rural part of Spain as well when no one spoke English. Yeah. And that's literally like, it literally just carried me for two yeah. weeks, basically. You know, that... <laughs> all you need is beer and you're fine, you're set to get. Exactly. Caffeine and alcohol and that's all we need. No, fantastic. Oh, well, thank you so much for... Um, for going through um that with me i think that's what i wanted to um cover on that i'll just stop the recording there unless there's anything you'd like to add for it um no i was just say as well if they did want any advice on booking accommodation before you go out there yeah that would be great actually go for it the uni mm. um the uni recommended that we don't book anything in advance you go out there for a week get an airbnb um and then look at places while you're out there um, for a week or so. Um, and I didn't take their advice. <laughs> I went to book some, and it worked out okay for me. Um, but taking their advice definitely would have been beneficial. Um, if because, Yeah, you can get an Airbnb for a week, go and check out some places, potentially actually meet the people you're living with, make sure you are getting what the pictures say you're getting um and yeah, yeah, all round mm. better idea you're gonna end up better off doing it that way than just booking something in advance and hoping for the best because a lot mm. of the time a lot of people I met out there did that and shot themselves in the foot so yeah really why were people basically you're just getting really like you either get, either get something that looks nothing like the pictures um Mm. or you end up getting really, really weird flatmates. Um, oh. And if you're stuck in a contract, it's really hard to get out of, and then it's not a very fun start to your time abroad. Yeah. So, basically, it sounds like if you're deciding to go abroad for just a year um, on some sort of visa, if you're planning on living abroad... Um, or you're even going on a placement for a few months or something like that, um, you can really get a lot of experience and a lot of connections from doing it. And it's just something interesting to do as well. You could do a role that you would do in Britain, but do it somewhere else, and it will be completely different. It will be a complete change of scenery. So this week, we've looked at different sized businesses. We've looked at graduate schemes and graduate roles. We've looked at freelancing. And with Carla, we've looked at going abroad. So now that you know how to look for an opportunity now you know what all the different opportunity types mean once you've got the opportunity you want and you've applied for it what next well it's the interview so next week we're going to be looking at the do's and don'ts of interviews what you need to do to have a great interview so please ensure to join me next week for the board we'll see you now thank you very much everyone and goodbye